it's really difficult to find great executives. Spirit Consulting helps organizations find all-star executives and hire the right one using work psychology so you can serve more customers and grow your business. To get a free quote, go to spiritmco.com. Enjoy the show. Welcome back to the Virtuous Heroes podcast. Today, we have the least virtuous person that I've ever met in my life. I'm just joking. (laughs) (laughs) The the king of egg McMuffins, the uh, chief strategy and business development officer for George Fox University in Newburgh, Oregon. Today with us, Sean, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Who the heck are you? Hey, thank you for having me, Chris. I, I am the king of egg McMuffins in Newburgh, Oregon. Like, I, I think I bought most of them um, at the uh, the center that's here on Portland Avenue. Um, I, I'm the chief strategy officer at George Fox University. I work for President Robin Baker directly. Um, I help the uh, the faculty and staff with planning out what programs we're going to be having for the future. I interact with the community and talk about a lot of the good work that we do here at George Fox as we continue our evangelical Quaker mission to be able to to serve him throughout the world. Awesome. And one of the things that I admire the most about you, I mean, I admire a lot about you. So let me just start there. But uh, one of the things that I really love about you is just being so sold out for the gospel that you've opened your heart to as many children as the Lord will provide uh, for you and your family. So can you talk a little bit about your home life, if you wouldn't mind? Oh, of course. Like, you know, I'm, I'm very blessed to have, um, you know, my home is, is changing. You know, so I have uh, three children. So my uh, my stepson, Griffin, is uh, 23 years old. Like, you know, he's, uh, he's moved out and he lives in Vancouver, Washington, not too far from our home in Portland. Um, I have a 19-year-old daughter who's up at school in New York, and uh, her name is Fiona. And I have a 12-year-old, Nora, who is um, going to school right now here in Portland. And then also my wife is a kindergarten teacher. Her name is Katie. We've been married for 19 years and um, it's about eight months. So we're closing in on 20. Um, and then uh, my family's in New York. So I'm very close with my, uh, my home family. My mother is, uh, is actually in Florida for the time being. And then my, uh, my brothers and their families live on Long Island and we're all a pretty tight knit group. So uh, very blessed to be able to have a healthy, happy family here. And also a one more broadly, a happy birthday to my mother. If she listens to this, her birthday was two days ago. She turned 69 um, and had a wonderful day down in sunny Florida with her friends. Awesome. Well, thank you for, for sharing. Uh, yeah. I always like to hear a little bit about the, uh, you know, the backbone and the structure that allows uh, leaders to be able to be able to do the wonderful things that we do in operations and uh, sounds like you've got a, a great support system at home with uh, your your family, extended family, et cetera. So thanks for sharing in that regard. Of course, of course. So Sean, how did you get to the leadership position that you're in today? You know, um, it's been an interesting path. Um, so uh, as, as I, you know, I've taught, told people before, I started off as a, um, a volunteer worker. So I left college um, and did a year of Christian service out here in Portland. Um, which really set me on the path to working in education. Like I, I did not anticipate um, that I would go into education. My father was a businessman, um, would have preferred me to go directly into business. Um, but I sort of did this oblique thing and, and went into Christian service. And so I worked with the homeless for a year um, as what was called a Holy Cross volunteer. That group no longer exists. But um, 
But I worked alongside the homeless, trying to get them into uh, open market housing for a year. Um, and, and that was a really powerful year for me. Um, I lived with other people who were also interested in doing gospel work after their college experiences. We lived in community. They all did similar service experiences. And so we would, um, you know, we lived together, prayed together and did this uh, godly mission together. And that really was great because it oriented my life from that particular point and made me know it was okay to be able to do uh, his work in the rest of my life. Um, so from there, I went and I taught theology at a Christian school. I then went and taught social studies and history at a public school. Um, and then um, about 10 years ago, was as called to do work at Concordia University in Portland, Oregon as a professor, um, which I did for six years. I trained teachers. Um, and then I was elevated into administration by uh, my old boss, uh, Chuck Schlimpert, um, who um, you know, said he saw something in me in terms of being able to be creative and innovative. Um, diligent worker, you know, and somebody who um, could help with being able to do good work for the Christian mission of higher education. Um, and then I was picked for this role by my, my current boss, uh, President Robin Baker, sort of asked me to join his staff um, and help him with being able to continue the growth of George Fox University, which today is the largest Christian, um, actually largest private institution in all of Oregon. Um, by enrollment, which again, from a Christian perspective, is wonderful that the largest private institution among all of the institutions in Oregon is a uh, evangelical Christian institution. I think that's telling about um, one, how well we do our mission, but also number two, um, it's wonderful that we have a community that really is behind us and wants to be part of what we do here in Oregon. But, uh, but that's, the, that's the short version of the long story. Um, and of course, I'm happy to talk about any of those particular pieces for your listeners, Chris. Yeah, and I think that uh, the one I'd like to, you know, dive into a little bit more is about your role around strategy and business development for sure. Fox University. So what, what in particular, like, what are the day-to-day -day duties of, and overarching kind of like vision and goal that you have for your role specifically with the university? Well, I mean, I feel like a lot of my role, Chris, is that I'm, I'm tied to the mission of the institution, which is to be able to... Um, you know, continue to evangelize the gospel through the work that we do to help students to be able to be known um, spiritually, personally, and academically, you know, and all students. And so a big part of that from the board perspective is to continue to expand the people that we um, work with on a day-to-day -day basis. So for a long time, the institution has been a um, traditional undergraduate institution with some graduate programming. Um, our graduate programming over the last decade has expanded. Um, and I think that part of my role is to continue to find um, new communities who would like to be able to be part of our Christian work and to figure out how we can work alongside them. Um, so for example, um, I, I, this past year, I've been working a lot on um, tying the university more closely to K-12 Christian schools um, that are in Oregon and Washington. Like, you know, we historically had not done that. Like, you know, um, essentially we were very fortunate that a lot of Christian schools, um, first off had teachers who were trained here at George Fox. And so we always usually benefited from our alums who were out there doing wonderful work, but, um, but we wanted to do more. Like, you know, we feel that we've been very blessed. And so we wanted to figure out how can we be a resource for Christian schools who we know were challenged by the pandemic. Um, and we might be able to help with either uh, content resources or connection to professors or easier means for students to um, you know, matriculate and get, get credit for what they had done in high school. Um, and so, um, so an initiative like that, 
um, which again is, is how do we expand our evangelical mission to more people throughout the West? Um, yeah, that's the type of thing I would do on a given day is like look for those types of opportunities. And it could be with the whole sector like K-12. Um, it could be with a, a company, like I'm working with a company right now that has a Christian leadership. Um, I, I don't want to mention it because we haven't signed our MOU just yet, but I mean, we're, we're trying to work to be able to provide their workers with um, opportunities for training and for growth. Um, and that would be wonderful for us as an institution because, you know, our professors would be able to help people directly in the workplace. Um, so, so a lot of my work is just figuring out, um, you know, the business development, of course, is that all of those things do have a financial implication for the institution. But from a strategic perspective, it's just being able to, again, find new places to expand the work of George Fox as a higher education institution into new communities and groups um, around the region. Got it. So one of the things that you had said that I wanted to just kind of touch upon some more was around the way that the gospel works within the university. So can you kind of clarify that and what does that mean? Well, I think that what's really important for us to know is that you know, the people who are here are, are motivated by the gospel in their work. Um, you know, working in Christian higher education is not the same as working in some other higher education institutions. I mean, um, at a very basic level, all of us here probably make about 25% less than you would make at like a flagship institution. And we have people here who were trained at some of the best institutions um, historically in the country. So people who went to Princeton, Harvard, um, but they choose to work here because they believe that the work they're doing is more than just research, is more than just, um, hey, I'm going to get this article published or book published. Um, they pursue knowledge, but pursue knowledge on behalf of our Savior. Um, and they want to be able to share their, their quest for knowledge and their quest for doing good work with young minds or people who are doing graduate studies. I mean, and so that motivates them in a way that's different than just showing up for two classes and doing a grant. Like, you know, they, they want to do it because they believe it um, helps to accelerate the work of the kingdom on earth. Um, and we find that with the staff too. I mean, like, you know, I think that on the staff side, whether it's an accountant or somebody who works in enrollment, um, you know, when we come together for our all employee meetings and for our worship, um, you know, they're wonderful moments of community commitment. Um, and so you just can feel the, the power of the spirit among all of the people who are working here trying to do this work um, to motivate uh, students and to help them with reaching their learning goals. I mean, I think that plays off with the students, too. I think they see that their staff is not just here to be able to fulfill a job, but they're really working a vocation. Um, and hopefully as they meet anybody from any department, I mean, our, our mission at George Fox is that we want students to be known, um, which means that when they're here, they won't just be a number. Um, that has to get in line and queue up, like, you know, and wait, like, that we really know who they are. And even if your relationship as a student is with um, a non, someone, not a faculty, but like someone that met, they met on the staff, the librarian, the janitor, um, that they knew that somebody at George Fox knew them by name, knew what their aspirations and hopes were, and helped them to understand the wonderful place that God has in mind for them to be throughout the course of their life. Um, and I could go to any, I mean, when we have our, uh, you know, sessions here for the entire staff, um, you'll hear from everybody. Like that, that's why they're here. Um, and I think that that uh, wonderful part of our culture has helped George Fox to go from being um, a relatively small institution, Pacific Academy, to um, you know, what it is today, which is, again, the largest private institution in the state. And I think that happens because of a reason, and that reason is because of the way that the gospel infuses all that we do. Hmm. 
Well, you got me sold. I'm ready to. <laughs> to You're welcome to come. It's really the application isn't too hard. I'm happy to uh, put that out there for you. George Fox, <laughs> you. No, but as you kind of were saying, like, you know, we get together and we worship together. I was like, oh, that's awesome. Like, well, you know, you don't hear that a lot about leadership teams of like being able to come together and do that. And just, yeah, the culture that that you've built there sounds incredible. So uh, I can imagine how that blesses you on a daily basis of being able to be around those type of people that just have that much love in their hearts and want to be able to <clears throat> share that love with, you know, everyone within the staff, but then also wanting to, you know, impact all of the kids as well. So yeah, that's, that's amazing. I could see why you guys have grown to the level that you have. I think that when parents come with their, their students, when they come with their children at the various days, whether it's a preview day or a prospect day, or um, even like when we, when we open up the year, I mean, I mean, the place feels like I believe a Christian community was meant to feel like a family, right? Like, you know, and, um, and, and that the family does all things together, they eat together, they, you know, exercise together, they work together, they, they worship together, they pray together. Um, I, I think that, and, and we, we retreat to that at times that are hard. And also we remember that in times where we celebrate, um, and we're coming up upon the, the Christmas season here, like, you know, and, um, and I think that we're really looking forward to that as a community because we get to celebrate the birth of our savior as a community. And I think that more and more in society, Chris, um, fewer and fewer places are doing that. Um, and it robs communities in my mind of this thing that is so important to so many people because we just want to, like you say, well, we don't do that in the public square. We don't do that anymore here. And I, I really worry about that because it, it, I grew up where that was so important to the communities that I lived in. And, um, and I appreciate being at George Fox because we're able to do that. Hmm. It's awesome. Well, um, yeah, incredible. So thank you for sharing on that, Sean. So uh, one of the questions that I wanted to dive in today, especially around, you know, looking at your career is, you know, and knowing that uh, also that your role is on the strategy side for the university and thinking about that from an industry perspective is how can colleges shape future virtuous leaders um, that are on their campuses? You know, I think that uh, we're very fortunate here to have a thoughtful uh, dean group. Like, you know, um, and so uh, our structure has what are called executive deans. There are four, um, you know, wonderful uh, professors, uh, Bob Harder, um, Joseph Clare, Dave Simbora, Mary-Kate Morse, um, who run our various enterprises. Um, and they, they came together to be able to produce what we call the Cornerstone Core, which is a, a series of classes all of our undergraduates take which um, don't just teach disciplines, but ask really big questions about what does it mean to love? Um, what does it mean to, to be human? Like, what does it mean to be a, a, a person of the spirit? Um, and so all of the courses that are in that core um, really push students to think about deeper issues than just what happened at this moment in history, um, which is an important question as a former history teacher. But you know, I mean, um, a big part of what we get to do is, is to ask existential questions and ask people to think about what their existence is supposed to mean. Um, and so, and I, I worry about that sometimes at, at non-Christian institutions. That I still think they ask existential questions. I don't want to ever put down my colleagues in the field. Um, but I mean, I think we ask it in a much deeper way with trying to talk about what does it mean to have a real moral compass um, and to layer it in such a way that as these individuals go off into internships and into careers, um, they, they keep those core questions um, at play in their lives. And they're, they're cycling them always through their head. 
um, is the work that I'm doing good? Like, is the work that I am doing helping to expand the work of the gospel? Um, and so I think that when we layer that at the beginning of the work that we do, especially for traditional undergraduates, um, it is so important for them because they hear it at a time where I think they have lots of questions about the world. And so, and they, they really usually engage in that because like, we're not hiding away from those big questions and just trying to say, here's some content for you um, and sort of anesthetize them the same way that I think a Netflix does. Um, we're trying to be able to really push them to think about these things in their lives, um, about their families, about their future family, about like, you know, their, their choice of vocation, about how they're going to impact the world. Um, and also, I mean, again, to look at the example of Jesus, right? You know, and Jesus uh, operates in many forms in the gospel. Jesus is healer. Jesus is teacher. Jesus is advocate. Um, and, and they get to hear about that with their content. Um, and so they get to really look at this example that we have, this wonderful example of an individual in, in our human history who was given to us to be able to, to teach us and to make us question. Um, and they get to compare that and think about that as they go through the remainder of their experience here. Um, so as they leave those cornerstone classes and go into their professional preparation, whether they're a nurse or an engineer, uh, physical therapist, uh, physician assistant, I mean, those core questions are there for them. Um, and so it guides them, I think, throughout the entirety of the experience. And those uh, professional professors, like, I mean, they, they know them. They know the same questions. Like, you know, and they'll remember, hey, remember when you were a freshman, we asked you this. Uh, and so now what? Like, here you are in this ethical situation as a nurse. Here you are in this uh, critical moment as an engineer. Do you remember what we talked about when it came to how you love? Um, do you remember what we talked about when we talked about what it meant to contribute to the community around you? Um, hey, you know, future business leader of America, um, you know, there's some ethical questions here. Um, what would the gospel say you should do? Um, and I, I think that that's great because you have a through line um, for a student. So it's not just this disaggregated stuff. Like, you know, you go from class to class, it's HS 300 followed by PT 400. Like, you know, it's all part of a way that we form individuals. Um, and I want to be careful there in the sense that, I mean, we want the students to be agentic. We want them to be the agents because that's what God has in store for them. But we help them along that line because we do believe that we're supposed to be guides. You know, we do believe that we've been charged um, by our creator to do that work here um, and to help students through. And we're not going to let um, students fall through the cracks. We want them to be able to know that we'll know them and we'll help guide them. Yeah, I think that uh, that's one of my favorite conversation pieces to be uh, to have. Uh, I'm the fifth of six kids and my parents have 22 grandkids. Oh, my goodness. So, yeah, yeah. It's just our family parties are just like a bunch of fun. I and am then, so envious. I have to tell you, it would be I mean, uh, we do not have uh, that, that many grandchildren among our and I, I grew up with that. I grew up with a very uh, large um, so I was from a group, big group of cousins. Um, and, uh, what a wonderful blessing, Chris, that you have that. I can just see that the parties in the summer must be fantastic. They are, they are just continually awesome. And, um, so yeah, just getting back to the, like the virtue piece and shaping future leaders is like asking that question of like, you know, who did God make you to be? <laughs> and, and, yeah. you know, and it's interesting because some of the younger, like, you know, 
we have varying degrees of people in our family that are like sold out for the gospel. <laughs> and, um, yeah. and so, yeah, I mean, and then, you know, there's some kids within that um, timeline that are maybe older than some uh, that are younger. And the ones that are younger are, you know, kind of like still pure and, and holistic in their viewpoint of the gospel and kind of like living that in their day-to-day lives. Um, but I think also, um, and, it, and it's interesting that when you ask that question, the wheels that you get churning in their minds on either side of the fence, because it's like, well, God made you, you know, like, so, so what did he make you for? And then if they've never been asked that question before, it definitely rocks another core of like, oh, I never thought about it that way. And it like, it is such an, you know, it, like, and then, then the follow-up question is like, okay, well then ask him, you know, like, go ahead. Like he's your right. father. So you can go ahead and ask that question in prayer. And if you don't get an answer, keep asking until you get that. And then that also makes me think, Sean, about like my time at U of I, I you know, I went to uh, a public institution, the University of Illinois uh, was not, you know, sold out and living for the gospel at that time. Never did I have any teachers ask me that question. Um, and uh, I think that maybe that would have saved a lot of pain and frustration in my life because it was always like, I just remember the angst at that point in my life of like, I have no idea who I am. I have no idea where I'm going. I don't, I think I might know, but there's just like not the same, like, I mean, just when you specifically like know your vocation, it's a God-given vocation, you're called into it, you have a vision for it or whatever it may be in the way that God touches you to like show you where you're supposed to be going. It's just, there's so much, there's so much confidence that you get from being like, okay, this is where I'm supposed to be. And to be able to like all that fear that goes along with that, to just be hard charging after that. But then further, as you're kind of stating, is like, then the last thing I wanted to bring up is that compass, because, you know, I, you know, I'm not, I, I wouldn't, you know, I'm not in the healthcare field. That's one of the fields that we help out um, uh, in, in our consulting practice. I mean, I'm not a clinician in any way, shape or form, but just thinking about like, I do have that unique lens being in the business sector and, and I'll be the first to admit that I fell a lot with, with my compass, but I think that's a beautiful thing about being a Christian and being able to say like, okay, I don't feel good about this. Like, I think I went down the wrong pathway and then being able to say like, okay, I can tell that it's a human version of Chris that just basically got me into trouble. And that's why I'm feeling like I'm, I don't have peace about the, the decision that we made and then being able to be like, okay, father. So what did like, what was I supposed to, what was I supposed to do? You know, I would love to say that every single time that there's conflict like that, I'm just like, okay, Jesus, what should I do? But uh, you know, I, I fail a lot and I don't ask that question. And I think the more that you get comfortable with that discernment process, you ask less but it's kind of sad because I know that whenever I do, it's like, okay, then I know, I'm, and then I get the answer. It's like, you're so clear on what you're supposed to be doing. And uh, yeah, so I love the fact, I'm absolutely in love with the fact that you guys actually teach that. And that's something that you're imparting at a young age. And then also being able to follow that progression as they grow through their experience at the university too. No, I think it's important. And I also think that, I mean, to your experience uh, on a couple fronts, right? I mean, I, I was fortunate to go to a, um, you know, Christian institution for, and, and that was so important because not, not just in the classes, but the surrounding community that I, I always had that as a um, scaffold 
like, you know, as a structure behind me to be able to, to form me as a person. Um, and I'm very thankful because in some of the darker times of life, I mean, I, I'm able to retreat to prayer. Um, like, and I appreciate what you said too, right? I mean, like there are a lot of times where we, we really don't know the next step. Um, and we wish we did because we, we're, we're intelligent people. But I mean, there are times where I mean, we, we have to you know, beseech our father for guidance. Um, and I think that it's important to be able to share that at institutions like ours about, um, you know, the Lord is listening. Like, you know, and, uh, and it might not be clear immediately, but I feel like my life has had many moments where um, the way was painted when, um, you know, I, I really asked, like, you know, and it may not happen immediately, but it ultimately, I think that uh, the way I got here to where I am, um, you know, came because of prayer and came because of uh, the opportunity of being able to say, yes, Lord, when those times came and he called. Awesome. So we talked to you, know, I mean, you, you broached the topic of, of dark periods of, of time. And uh, so I wanted to dive a little bit there too, Sean, about, can you tell us a little bit about your struggles that you've had to overcome in your life that, um, you know, was hindering your ability to be the leader that you are today? What were some of the vices that you've had to overcome in your life? Oh my goodness. Um, yeah, I, I think I can talk about, uh, Probably the, the darkest thing I've experienced of late, Chris, was actually I, I worked at another institution 18 months ago, um, and it was uh, Concordia University, Portland. And thank um, you, Sean. Also, I didn't want to cut you off, but I think about, you know, most people are like, well, a decade ago, I struggled with this. And um, yeah. the funny part is like, you know, until we are all turned into a mature version of Jesus Christ here on earth, it's like, the secret is that you're going to have vices that are going to be coming up your whole way until you're basically six feet underground. And, and so it's like, but the more that you keep going down that journey, the more you realize like, oh man, I'm really dysfunctional in this way. And I, I need to be able to grow in that way. So thank you for bringing up an example that's 18 months ago, because most people go back, you know, pull out, pull out the, uh, you know, they look 10 years back or 20 years back, et cetera. So I love that. So sorry. Keep, keep oh, no, no, it's perfectly okay. Like, yeah, I mean, um, again, I, I think, um, you know, I, I know that we are, we are made in the image of our creator, but we're also all flawed. Right. And, um, and part of our, our ongoing challenge in life is being able to, uh, to work on those pieces of ourselves, like, you know, and to hopefully improve who we are. Um, and to bring out the parts of ourselves that are the best reflection of the creator. Um, but I mean, I, I think that uh, the challenge for me, I mean, I worked for another institution, Concordia University of Portland, that um, unfortunately had to close. Um, and at that time, I was an uh, executive at that institution. And I, I, I had a lot of pride in that particular role, maybe too much pride, um, you know, to the point of believing that um, you know, it, it was going to survive no matter what, like, you know, um, because we were just smart people and we knew what we were doing. And um, you know, the board voted to close the institution. And I found myself on February 10th of 2020, um, you know, looking at my staff, like, you know, 120 people, um, of, of, again, the institution was 1500 employees and 6,000 students. I mean, and having to tell them that their jobs were gone. Um, and, and these were people who were just like the people I work with here at George Fox committed to the Christian mission of Concordia University, Portland. Um, and, and often sacrificed, um, you know, other opportunities for a better salary or career growth. Um, and, and their home was going to go away. Um, and, um, and that was a very challenging experience as a leader in Christian education, because, um, you're entrusted with, um, being able to steward the student experience. You're entrusted with being able to, 
help people have a place where they can um, you know, work in Christian community and, and provide for their families through Christian community and to, um, to have to tell them that that, that, that was going to go away. Um, and soon it was, uh, so we, we closed everything down within six months. Um, so by uh, September of 2020, uh, there, there was no more Concordia University, Portland. We had to get all the students to other places. And, and you can imagine that when, when that news went down, people didn't just give me a thumbs up and said, got it. Um, you know, people were upset um, and rightly so. Um, and I think that, and I still, I mean, you, you joked about the 18 months versus 10 years. I mean, that's still something that from a traumatic experience, I'm still wrestling with. Um, and I think about every day because um, those people were my friends. Um, those people were um, the people I was in fellowship and um, you know, community with. Um, and I love them very dearly. And so um, there, there is a, uh, there will always be a perpetual sense of failure um, that I will carry with me, um, that I could not do more, that I could not access my gifts in such a way that would allow the mission of that institution to continue. Uh, because it did great work for over 100 years in Northeast Portland and throughout the West. Like, you know, and we trained teachers and ministers and nurses um, and, and put a lot of good people into careers and they love the place. Um, and so, uh, you know, coming out of that experience, um, you know, I asked myself, was it, was it pride? Um, was it hubris? Um, like, and how do I, I not repeat that? Um, like, how do I learn from that? And that's an everyday prayer for me. Like, you know, that, um, when you have a, a failure of that magnitude, um, that, um, you know, you try to process. Um, it, it takes a lot of conversation with God um, to figure out, okay, what, are my, what am I going to do um, differently in my day-to-day life now, in my job now? Like, you know, how do I listen more to those who are around me? Um, and, and to my, my job role is strategy, right? So, I mean, um, um, I, I always have that hang over me as I do that work. Um, that uh, you know, This place I worked at where I was in a similar role failed. Um, and so, um, so I have to have a lot of humility um, and have a lot of uh, lot of prayer to be able to really think about next steps in a way that maybe the last time around I, I probably took some things for granted um, from a pride perspective, and um, I need to you know check myself, and I need to help have the Lord check me too. Um, and I think that there's a wonderful gift to that. Um, when, I, when I come out of prayer from that, I do believe there's there's a gift that I, I take every day as um, not for granted. Like you know, I, I recognize that something really big, like a university could be there one day and the next day not. Um, and when you experience that type of moment, that type of change, um, it's not just one job, it's lots of jobs, not just one building, it's lots of buildings. I mean, um, it gives you a sense of just um, how impermanent we are. Even even though we're luminous spiritual beings, like, you know, I mean, this this stuff around us is impermanent and, um, you know, and, and we have to think of much greater things than the buildings and how do we still live our life even when that kind of solid stuff uh, disappears. So, uh, I mean, I think that's, um, yeah, that's both a recent thing and an everyday thing. Like, you know, and, and I, I, you know, I, I take comfort in God and my community now to still help me get through that. Have you been feeling unfulfilled? You wanna be happy, but just continue to struggle. One of the best ways to experience joy is by caring for the homeless. 
a charity I've grown to love, River Light, food rescues a million meals per year for the needy in Chicago. Imagine how that make you feel, knowing that you're helping feed children and veterans. To make a tax-deductible donation, visit riverlightchicago.org. Again, riverlightchicago.org. No one should go to bed hungry. Yeah, because that, that was where I wanted to go next, is just thinking about like, okay, well, maybe not every single person is having to deal with the issue of, of an organization that's shutting down. But what is something that every single person has to deal with is the conclusion of their career. And then the grieving process on the opposite end of that, of like making that significant change. Um, so just curious about, uh, so my, my follow-up question to that, Sean, would be twofold. One, it would be thinking about the grieving process uh, you started to share a little bit about that. Like, how have you been able to get over that? And I think you gave a couple of those tips around prayer, around community, around fellowship. But then I also wanted to, uh, you know, just ask the question also about uh, just thinking about, you know, as you mentioned, it was pride. Are there any, are there any um, like helpful, like takeaways that people can specifically utilize from this experience of just thinking about like, all right, so I'm in the, I'm, you know, just a, a way to be able to kind of like assess where, where am I sitting in my present situation? So to be able to learn from your own experience and, and hopefully not, you know, have to go through that same pain and suffering that you went through. I think that, um, again, a couple of pieces I can think about along. So the first piece about, um, about grief um, you know, I, I think that um, I had to recognize that um, there were many people who were in my shoes, like in a way, right? People who, there are people who are out there who've experienced things like this. Um, I was actually surprised by the number of people who, when I engaged them in conversation, would, would share, you know, hey, when I was younger, I, I was actually part of this thing that closed um, and, uh, and, and talk through it, right? Um, and I think that being open to sharing where you're at like, you know, is important in those, like, you know, that, that grief is not something that we don't need to just do in our room by ourselves, mm. um, that it's okay to grieve. Um, and it's okay to, to recognize the pain that that causes, right? I mean, um, we, we are, we're social, you know, we like being around others, like, you know, that's sort of a beautiful part of how we were made. Um, God didn't make one of us, uh, made all of us. Um, and so, um, and I think that you know, there's an opportunity there to be able to um, talk, and, um, and, and talk through grief, like, you know, and I think the worst thing that we can do when we grieve is try to do it alone. Um, we need those moments of solitude, certainly, but at the same time, I think that I, I found that the people I worked with, um, my close friends were, were wonderful during that time. And I, I think I just needed to make sure that I still opened up to them. And I would encourage anybody who was going through a similar circumstance to be open along those lines and, and to share, like, you know, because I think that um, God will put people around us who will help us in those particular times. And then also God will, um, you know, people reached out, like, you know, and, uh, and some of those felt like they were very superficial, but I mean, I remember the, the days afterwards getting, you know, texts and calls and emails from people who um, had a great degree of compassion. Um, and I, I was fortunate to be able to lean into some of that, like, you know, um, and, and if you don't have that automatically happen, I would also imagine that, um, you, you probably have a handful of people who will always be willing to listen, and it's important to share. Um, from a fr for pride standpoint, you know, I, I think that you know we have to look to examples throughout the Bible, 
of times where I'm, and I'm, I'm, I'm blanking, which I, I apologize for doing, but I mean, you know, moments where people swell with pride, right? King, and it King blinds David them. Was was a big one, thank you. right? Yes. Yeah. And Bathsheba, yeah. Yep, thank you. I mean, um, I think that um, th- there's instruction in the Bible that we can utilize, like, you know, to be able to really reflect on, and it might be worth taking a moment to be able to review that. Or if you, if you feel yourself saying, wow, I'm, I'm really great. Um, yes, you are like, you know, I mean, um, and God made you wonderful. So of course, um, but at the same time, um, you know, we're, we're insignificant compared to God's almighty power and glory. Um, and we have to be really careful of how close a line we sometimes walk. Um, yeah, I find that, uh, I don't believe God is, a uh, is, is vengeful, but I mean, I think God teaches us in many ways and things happen in the course of our lives that are meant to be instructive. And so, um, we have to pause often and pray often. Um, yeah, I remember uh, being told by uh, one of my pastors, like, um, you know, you pray both when you're sad and when you're happy, um, you both pray on the awful days and the best days, um, because all of those days are instructive. All of those days are, are, are lesson oriented. Um, and I think when you, I, I forgot that at times, um, you know, I mean, again, you, you pray in the sad days and then the, the good days, Hey, I did that. Right. Um, and I think it's important to remind myself this time around that, no, 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 you, you pray all pray incessantly. Um, because you know, every day should be teaching you something about the mission that you have and what you're doing on this earth and, and what God has in store for you. Um, and that was easy to forget. Um, and so I'm thankful for a second opportunity in Christian higher education, um, where I'm a bit more cognizant of that. Um, and I'm also, I'm thankful. I mean, I have had great friends, uh, who my, uh, close friend, Carla Baumler, um, who I worked with for the last four years. I mean, um, you know, she moved to South Dakota after things closed and we still are in contact by, uh, communicate. We just text, you know, and talk. And I think that having her, um, you know, and her family's faith witness in my life still is, is a real blessing. So I'm glad that those people who I was close to, God has allowed me to stay close to those people and to have them still important in my life. And uh, they were there for that part of the journey. And I think they'll always be there for other parts of my life journey. Awesome. Well, thank you. Thank you for, for sharing that as well, Sean. And um, so now I wanted to maybe jump to the other side a little bit around, you had talked about, you know, what are my giftings, um, but specifically around like virtues that you feel like have been God given to you. And, uh, and, and I also want to t- like the reason why I'd like to talk about that, or I, I like to talk about that is because then sometimes maybe that can instruct people like, Hey, that's actually in my own life. And, you know, holiness, uh, is a wholeness journey and really being able to understand who God made us to be. And sometimes when other people can communicate on that stuff, it's like, Oh, wow, this is who I am, you know? And, uh, and it's just helpful more for ministry, helpful for your own work, helpful for your family life, et cetera. So yeah, just kind of curious if there's any spiritual giftings or virtues that you feel like have been a, a blessing upon you that, that you kind of like just naturally flow in. Um, I, I would start with, with saying patience. Um, you know, I, I think that, um, well, again, in, in my role, sometimes you have to be quick. Um, you know, I, I don't make rash decisions. Um, I try to caution people to uh, take deep breaths. Um, I ask people to reflect and to read and to pray. Um, and, and patience has always been something that 
I've seen a lot of other people not have, I feel it's even less in this culture. I feel like the, the secular culture of the day, people get so inflamed so fast hmm. um, to the point that it, it clouds their mind and their judgment. I mean, um, I, I believe, I mean, again, go back to what we were saying, right? God created all of us, all of us, right? So even people that we in day-to-day life disagree with, um, and that's an important thing to remember because there are times where um, <laughs> there are times we, we don't for some reason we don't believe that for those people got I mean they, they don't believe what I believe um yeah that's true but but God made them hmm. right God made them and so if that, that's God's creation so you you have to think differently even if it's really hard and you know, and there are times where people say stuff to me um about <laughs> me, me or my Christianity or, or, and I don't love hearing it. Um, but at the same time, I, I have to have, I, I, I've drawn that reservoir of patience that I think God gave me to listen, to try to process, to pray. Okay. God brought this person into my life. God um, has put me in a situation where I'm going to listen to this. How am I supposed to work with that? Um, and to be very careful. Um, and I always believe that um what I love about Jesus is that Jesus always has a different script than what a lot of us would say and what I, what I think a lot of other people would say in the gospel, right? I mean, um, he, I think he stuns people often with, um, you know, these moments where like uh, people are looking for him to like condemn somebody or because that's what the Pharisees would have done. Um, and he doesn't, like, you know, and he often offers, you know, words of mercy, um, words of kindness, um, words of compassion and, and wisdom. And, um, I've always tried to model that, um, in the sense of like, okay, hmm, um, here I am in this difficult circumstance. What would I want to say? Like, what is, <laughs> what does anger tell me to say? Mm-hmm. Um, and how do I not necessarily do that right away? Sometimes anger is appropriate. Like, you know, I mean, I'm Jesus gets angry. Um, you know, but at the same time, um, I think the most part, like, you know, I mean, there's that, that pause for prayer. Um, and I think that that patience has helped me over the course of my life. I could have been very angry the day that, um, you know, Concordia closed. Um, but it took a moment. To, I have a picture from that day, like, you know, where um, I just took a deep breath and prayed um, and tried to be calm. Um, I listened to a few hymns, um, had some time with my family, like, you know, and I think that that was, you know, that was a blessing to be able to have. So I think that that, that, if, if, if it's, if we count it as a virtue, like, you know, that, that patience was really important. It has been important throughout my life. Um, there are times where I do really, really want something. Um, but I often think that, you know, I, I have a, a belief in acceptance of God's time versus my time. Um, and that the, the things will be laid out, um, and that God will take care of me. Um, and I believe that sincerely, which means that when I go through my day and go through my week and go through my year, um, I feel like I can operate a lot more smoothly and calmly um, than if I were, um, if I didn't have that gift um, provided to me and if I didn't access that gift. Um, so I will admit um, to another degree, like I was a history major. Um, and when you're a history major, um, for those history majors who are listening, sometimes you uh, can take a longer view um, because you've just seen, like, you know, people have done things over the course of human history. Um, like, you know, and, uh, and so you pick up some trends and habits. And so you might also be blessed with wisdom, 
because, um, you know, it's not something that um, had to be created on the spot. Like, you know, humans have done very human things for a very long time. Like, you know, and if you have those lessons in your head, sometimes it can help with reinforcing that patience because you've seen what other people have done in similar circumstance. Mm. Yeah, that's rock solid. And even as you were uh, speaking on that, I feel like the Holy Spirit was just gripping my heart around areas in my own life and specific relationships where I'm like, looking like this and God's like, you know, come on, man, you know, and, and, uh, and it's so easy to, to fall into that snare of like, you start to I, I just like putting these two things together of, of, of pride and being able to like that whole discipline that like every single person is God's uh, child. And, yeah. and then the way that you might be angry at a person definitely shifts when you're thinking about it that way, instead of just like, okay, this person has done something, it's not meeting my expectations of what I, Christopher, wanted to have done in this particular scenario. And so then Christopher is getting angry and frustrated, et cetera, instead of like, okay, let me take a step back. This is God's child. And, and then being able to look at the situation through that lens, which usually probably if I would think about it in that way, that it probably means that it's going to be like, okay, in what way can I enter into healthy conflict with this person to either help me grow or to help both of us grow? You know? right. um, and uh, instead of just, you know, getting frustrated and then maybe, you know, the unhealthy way on that is like, well, I'm just going to be angry at this person. And the next five people that I encounter, I'm just going to like, you know, I'm going to kill this person's, uh, you know, uh, uh, they're, they're uh, just the way that people look at them um, by being able to speak negatively about the, what they had done to me instead of being able to just say, okay, God, like help me to see the, this child, even though I might be mad at this person and angry, help me to see them the way that you see them to love them. And then be able to like, you know, take the next step as it relates to this relationship. And in oftentimes it's going to be, you know, have that conversation with the person. And uh, yeah. So, so thank you because, you know, even as I was just saying, there's a cut, you, we've got a lot of things going on with business and then here at the house with contractors that, that uh, is, that's very helpful advice to be able to receive. So I appreciate that, Sean. Uh, yes. And again, it's all, and make no mistake, it's hard, right? I mean, um, it's hard to be able to, to navigate those challenging things in our world. Um, and Jesus did them better than all of us because he was God's son. Um, but it's still the model that we're supposed to try to follow, okay, I think. And so, um, so I, I keep that in mind and, and recognize that I will fail. Okay? And there are times where <laughs> you know, patience doesn't always work as well as I'd like it to work. Um, but you, you wake up and you try again. Um, and you keep at it because I think that's what, what God wants us to do is to care for and um, be loving towards all creation. In the New Testament, Sean, and this is the very last thing, uh, you know, St. Paul imparts his giftings to Timothy. And then he also follows up to say, like, you know, I gave you that gifting. What have you done with it? I don't know if it says what the gifting was in particular of the impartation that he gave. But anyways, uh, do you mind closing us out in prayer and just being able to pray that, you know, that uh, God would highlight uh, through this episode and any of our guests that are listening, if there's any areas of pride in their lives, that it would be able to be seen so they wouldn't have to run into the same uh, issues that you ran into at Concordia. And then also that you can impart a gifting of uh, patience among the audience as well. 
Of course. So let's take a moment to get ourselves into God's presence. Mm-hmm. Creator God, first off, uh, we pray blessings on Christopher and the work that he is doing here, um, helping to bring your word to all of the people who listen to this podcast. Um, it is a, a calling and a vocation that is so important in these days. Uh, bless him, bless his family and the work that he does to be able to help with this mission. Um, Lord, we ask you also to, uh, to bless all those listeners um, who may be facing the various challenges that they have in their lives. Um, help them to understand that you place those challenges in their lives, so that they could grow to know you more through prayer. Um, help them to connect with you through prayer, through conversation, um, so that way they can find your hope from this world and the next. Um, Lord, we also ask you to pray for all of the students, all of the learners um, at George Fox University, at all universities, at all schools. Um, help them to, uh, to ask the deep questions about this life and the next life that you have placed here. Help them to engage with people who care for them and love them and know them and help them to feel surrounded with your love and all of the work they do at that stage of their lives. Um, and Lord, help us all to recognize the way that Timothy recognized um, through Paul, you know, the gifts that um, we have, whatever they might be, um, be they a, um, you know, a gift, like a talent, um, or even just a cheap egg McMuffin. Um, thank you for all of the things that you bring to our lives. Help us with smiling because, Lord, this life is so good and you've given us so much. Amen. Awesome. Well, Sean, as you were praying, I kind of got the image of this gigantic tree. And I feel like the Lord was saying that um, that in particular, like the tree, the the tree is an image of of wisdom and great wisdom. I feel like that's the you know, that the Lord has imparted this great wisdom into your walk. And then uh, as I was looking at the tree, I saw that there was like birds that were like landing on branches and the way that trees provide homes uh, for birds. And so I feel like the Lord was saying, like, Sean, there's going to be people that are coming to you that are looking for this wisdom, that are looking for you to be able to help them within their own journey. And uh, and I feel like then then what really kind of like brought my brought this image together was like just being able to see like a frog that's like bouncing like bouncing along and recognizing that like with this too that it's it may be easy to be able to see some people that like in your own walk it's it's easier for you based off of your role in this world to be able to help out like you know a bird and a tree those kind of go together so thinking about like faculty students etc but I feel like there's going to be people in this next season Sean that are coming to you that are going to be looking for this wisdom that are going to be looking for help that are kind of off the beaten path and that the Lord is just calling you Sean to be able to help them and minister to them in that way and so yeah I just uh, I pray that that blesses you as well. I appreciate that Chris and I'm I'm always happy as a uh, individual to uh, to play that role. Um, you know, I wake up in the morning and I think of myself as a 23 year old high school teacher. Um, and, um, and that was a wonderful time, but I, I think I'm always a teacher first because again, that, that model of Jesus is teacher to all. Um, so if they come like, you know, then it is my vocation to be able to, to be as much help as I possibly can. I'm always happy to do that. Love it. Well, uh, thank you so much for joining us on the virtuous heroes podcast where we inspire virtuous leadership. Uh, expect both Sean and my uh, fasting and prayer for you and your family and ministry and God bless you. Hey, Chris here. 
Hope you enjoyed the episode where we discussed all things going bald. <laughs> Just joking. If you enjoyed the episode and the podcast, will you please subscribe on YouTube or Apple Podcasts or Spotify? Or you could also share it with a friend. That would be tubular. I hope you have an awesome day.